Well, hey, good morning, church family. Uh, hey, I'm excited about where God is taking us, what he's doing through us. And I say that very specifically this week because I'm still really excited about the 10 baptisms that we saw just seven days ago. And so I'm praying that we would continue to really get to be a part of what God is doing in this city really through us in a lot of ways. And so lots of stuff to cover again in the book of Nehemiah as we continue our series. And so if you have your Bibles, grab them and turn there. And really the first few weeks, they really build off of each other in a lot of ways. And so uh, I wanna kind of give us a little bit of a recap so we can kind of hit the ground in a sprint today to really build uh, what I think Nehemiah is trying to build into us, even into our church uh, in this season. And so the first week you'll see there on the slide on the screen, we talked about how we can really gain or foster or really birth a vision in a lot of ways. You see, we believe that God actually wants to speak to each of us. And as he calls us onto mission with himself, he gives us vision to marry with his mission to use us for the kingdom of God. And really understanding what he's calling us into in this season, it brings us joy as we pursue Christ and as we seek to honor Christ. And it brings him glory because anything that he has spoken into existence glorifies him that includes the vision that he's speaking into our hearts. And so we see there how to really breed or how to grow our vision. And then last week, you'll see there on the screen, we talked about how we could begin to implement that vision. What does it mean to begin to try to take the things that God has spoken to you about and apply them in different situations or seasons in your life and even grow that vision in the process as God keeps moving in and through you. And so we continue to emphasize throughout this series and we'll keep doing it very intentionally that even if God has placed something that feels very small on your heart, it may not be small in the kingdom of God at large. We're supposed to be faithful where God has us. The tiny pebbles of faith may ripple into eternity, and we're just called to be obedient to what he's calling us into in each season in our life. He, he doesn't do pointless things, to say it like that. What he calls will forever make an impact because he is worthy, he is powerful, he is good. What he calls us to, we should be doing. And so really, if a mustard seed can move a mountain, then, then what can a sunflower seed do? You feel me, right? And as he keeps growing that vision, what begins to happen, y'all? Mountains move, the, the, the world has changed, eternity has changed as we are obedient to what God is calling us into. And so today we're actually gonna look at another aspect of vision, and that's really, what does community mean within this vision at large? And the title of this sermon is actually The Sacrifices of Many, which is the title of the series because it's really in a lot of ways the thrust of the book of Nehemiah where all these different people with these different visions are coming together to accomplish the mission of God at large. And really, this is what we are called to do as Christians. In fact, when we accepted Christ, we also accepted a responsibility to care for others for we are being made into the image of Christ. And we said this the first week, Christ is in and of himself. He is a servant. He is a blesser of many people. And so his calling and his vision, while it will bless you as you're being used by God, it is always used to actually bless many people around you. You may not be able to see it immediately, but it always does bless people around you. Additionally, I would say 99% of the time, in order for your vision to come to fruition, it actually takes the whole community to bring it about. And so God is likely giving each of us callings that marry with other people in our community so that as we merge them together, they create something that none of us 
us could do by ourselves. And God always orchestrates his people, Acts 17 would tell us, and places them where they should be and where they should live and when they should live, that the glory of God might be more clearly revealed, that people might come to know him. And so your vision, it will marry with other people around you. Really, by yourself, you are a lamp shining the light of Christ, but together we are a city on a hill screaming mercy to this dark world. And we are called to be the city together. In other words, if you're at the well, I think it's for a reason, y'all. And God is orchestrating something here very intentionally. I need you, you need me, we need each other, as we often say. Our vision collectively as a church can really uh, change and impact eternity as each of us finds how we're supposed to play within that. So that's where we're going today, this idea of vision in the context of community. And we'll be in Nehemiah chapter three. So go ahead and turn your Bible there. And normally in a guided gathering setting, this is what I would have somebody read for us, okay? However, I don't want to do anybody dirty today, all right? <laughs> I ain't shady. I ain't like that, okay? There are about a thousand names in this chapter, all right? Most of them are names that no one would dare name their children, not even Natalie and me, okay? And so I'm going to read it for us so that if I stumble, it is me stumbling and not somebody else looking like the fool this morning. Because you know in every church, there's always that individual that somehow knows how to pronounce every name here, right? And you know they're going to come to you like, uh, hey, you said Toriano, and actually it's Toriano. It's like, that's my name, right? Like, okay. And so uh, I'm going to read this for us so that you don't have to uh, get embarrassed in that sense, all right? Nehemiah chapter 3, and we're going to pick it up here in verse 1. It says this, then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and set its doors. They consecrated it as far as the Tower of the Hundred, as far as the Tower of Hananel. And next to him, the men of Jericho built. And next to them, Zakur, the men of Emri built. The sons of Hanasa built the fish gate. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And next to them, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Hekaz, repaired. And next to them, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, the son of Meshezabel, repaired. And next to them, Zadok, the son of Benah, repaired. And next to them, the Tekoites repaired. But their nobles would not stoop to serve their lord. Joyada, the son of Pashia, and Meshulam, the son of Beshodiah, repaired the gates of Yeshana. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And next to them repaired Melatiah, the Gibeonite, and Jadon, the Maranathite, the men of Gibeon and Mizpah, the seat of the governor of the province beyond the river. Next to them, Uziel, the son of Herathiah, goldsmiths repaired. Next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers repaired. And they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Next to them, Rephiah, the son of Hur, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired. Next to them, Jediah, the son of Haram, repaired opposite his house. And next to him, Hattush, the son of Hashabaniah, repaired. Malkijah, the son of Hiram, and Hashab, the son of Pahath Moab repaired another section and the tower of the ovens. Next to him, Shalom, the son of Halahesh, 
ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired, he and his daughters. I always feel like I should get some sort of award after I read a bunch of names like that. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Thank you, thank you, thank you. Like, uh, I actually took this and I pasted it into Microsoft Word and the whole page turned red, right? It was like, you misspelled it. You need Mavis Beacon again, all right? And so, you know, one day if our names are ever written, they're going to be like looking at our names like, Toriano, right? Antithony, just adding in syllables and stuff, syllables that ain't even there, all right? So what's going on here, okay? Uh, Because here's what normally happens, all right? We, We get to a section like this in our Bible and we're like, Eliah, what? And then we skip to chapter four, okay? And I get that, but I wanna encourage us that every single word in the Bible means something. There are riches to be uncovered. And so I hope that in some way, this message actually just encourages you today on the beauty of the word of God because even the ending credits mean something. It's not just a scrolling list of names if it's in God's written book, okay? And so secondly, the major point that I want us to see today is the power of community on mission. When community is chasing a collective vision, man, it's a really, really powerful thing in a lot of really extraordinary ways. And to really steal thunder from the sermon three weeks from now, which I think you're preaching, bro, sorry, okay, but uh, these cats built this wall in 52 days, y'all, and this should have taken forever to actually do, but as each of them sacrificed and really believed in a greater vision than what was right in front of them, they collectively did something that paved the way for the Messiah to come, which was now, was Nehemiah's burden at first, actually then began to be everyone else's vision, burden, and mission. And as they all adopted it and all played their part in it, as they used their gifts, they were able to do something that no individual, not even a great leader like Nehemiah could do solo. And so God was using all of these different people in immense ways. Now, we got to think about how it led to this moment because some people, they, they may have had vision for something really, really simple like returning to Jerusalem, right? And to return to Jerusalem to live in a broken down city would have been a huge sacrifice to come out of exile in a city with no walls. And maybe that's what they felt like God was calling them to do. They had no reason why until Nehemiah rolls up on the scene and they're like, oh, okay, right? I'm beginning to see how this vision might play out in a way. Or maybe some of them actually were called into a certain profession or vocation, and they were just working there for many years, not realizing they were picking up skills that was going to be able to lead other people on how to build a wall because they know how to do that junk themselves, right? And so God may be doing all these different things. There's a lot of possibilities here, but I don't want us to miss the together togetherness call that is in us as Christians. God's army does not enlist privates, y'all, okay? We're meant to do life together, and vision is meant to be accomplished in the context of community. Really, our individual visions, they often aid and they support an even greater communal vision that really begins to change eternity. And I believe that each of us can be a part of this if we choose to be, and that God wants to use us 
in our various gifts to make much of his name. And I want to look at, look at some of the cool things in this text that really pave the way for that sort of thinking, okay? First of all, look at all the names used. We'll just pick verses like four through seven as an example. All of these names that are there, you'll see on the screen. In fact, in chapter three, there's actually 40 names that are referenced, which is not a mistake because 40 is a Hebrew poetic number, okay? I'll let y'all talk about that in community groups this week if you want to dig into the meaning of that. But each of these names, they have story or victories or families or failures or suffering, and all of them are playing a part in what God is doing at large. You also see different groups of people mentioned. You see there in verse 7, there's different tribes, really different cultures that are coming together underneath the banner of something bigger than their own culture. We actually do the same thing as believers. There's these different cultures that are coming together to represent the exaltation of our king, all of our cultures highlighting the beauty of of our king collectively, and yet it is not until we all come together where we are able to see the full picture of Christ. And so there's all these different cultures that are coming together to highlight the beauty of our king. There's all these different materials that are used. You see there in verse three, and it's throughout the passage at large. And all these materials are probably supplied by different people. We actually see this in the church as well. There's all these different people, which actually produces different needs but then it also creates different serving opportunities for other people to feed into those needs that their gifts would be activated by God through other people's needs even. And we see that even here in this text. Notice all of this effort that's there, right? There's all these family units present and different peoples, different crafts that are mentioned, like the goldsmiths or the perfumers or all these trades mentioned like the merchants or these callings mentioned like the priest even. God is using different callings and gifts and possessions to really alter eternity, y'all. And he does the same thing with us The problem is is that we often don't see how we are able to impact eternity, and so we really miss getting to glory in what God is doing. I believe that we tend to not really see what God is doing because we do not celebrate how our little part in the equation actually made for the exaltation of God at large, okay? I think y'all missed that one because that was a little bit, we we need to pick up on that, okay? Did y'all catch what I'm saying there? I think we miss how our little parts of the equation actually add up to the full picture and the glory of God. And because we don't celebrate how our little impacts actually made an eternal impact, then we miss how we are a part of altering eternity, y'all. I mean, think about the perfumer as an example. This man, this woman, they would have been easy just to go back to their job and not really think much about this and not think about how God was using them to really impact history. Like like this Sunday, y'all, we saw 10 people get baptized. Like, I want you to think about that. We started our church with 11 and 10 people got baptized in one Sunday Have you begun to think about how your little part in the well may have actually aided to these people's eternities being changed? Because if we don't stop to celebrate how God is using our gifts, we'll miss how we're a part of the whole and we'll grow discouraged and not want to sacrifice because we're not realizing how every little effort is actually making much of the kingdom of God. I mean, how many people's testimonies this Sunday was like, I thought I was going to show up in church and it was going to blow up because of all my sin. And I thought everybody was going to judge 
judge me, but then all of a sudden, right, I felt so welcomed or encouraged or inviting people into things. Like, like those are specific teams that do that in the culture of our church at large. You may have said hi to the individual, not even known it, and now they're getting baptized in part because of you. And so God is moving even in the little things, y'all. Do you stop and rejoice at how God is using multiple things to highlight his glory and how he's using you in the process? Every little thing exalts the kingdom of God. And so, in fact, I want to zoom in on some of the people even more here to to see what they're doing. Notice there in verse 9, you see on the screen, there are all these high-profile leaders, right? Like, these are the big wigs that are literally getting their hands dirty, willing to do this insane work, all right? And the rocks they were using, like, like don't think the bricks that you use to, like, build your house with. That's what kind of comes into our head. These things were massive, y'all. In fact, there's a picture here on the screen. This is actually an old picture because it's when they first started finding Nehemiah's wall again. And look at the woman compared to the rocks that are there. These things are huge, and these rulers that are over half of the district are stopped and pausing their ruling to come and to be servants. This is really important, y'all. I think about guys like KC, who's one of our elders in our church, who has a good job and has a family and a wife with kids. And it would be easy for him to just kind of live life and just go on throughout life and make a little bit of money and then retire and collect seashells when he's older on the seashore, right? Uh, But he actually has the gift of worship. And so he uses that gift often and blesses us with the ability to sing to our God, to move us into a spirit a posture of worship which leads us on mission because we often hear vision from God when we are worshiping. And so as he leads us into worship, he's literally leading us into the ability to receive vision, which is a part of the mission of God. I think about all the people that he's discipling, all the people that he's pouring into at the sacrifice of his personal time in a lot of ways. He doesn't get paid to do any of this, y'all, right? Like he's doing this out of an affection for Christ, out of a love for the church. In fact, he could just serve as an elder or overseer and make some decisions here and there, but he leads CGs, has discipled many people. His wife sacrifices like crazy as well as she helps lead the curriculum team and as she helps disciple other moms and as she gives time to KC to do ministry and him to her to do ministry and on and on. And they could be off doing their own thing, but they pause that sacrifice that you may be built up. And I can say that about many, many people in the church where God is doing a lot of beautiful things through their sacrifice, y'all. God is always calling people to lay down their lives for the sake of the kingdom, but the kingdom grows when they do it. You and I are recipients of his gifting, of his time, and that is true of each of us, y'all. Or look at verse 8, once again, the, the goldsmiths and the perfumers that are there. Like, look, I didn't even really know what a perfumer was, okay? <laughs> I had to look it up, all right? It's like, are those those dudes in the mall who'd be like trying to spray you real quick to get you to buy that? You gotta dodge them, right? Like, okay, what I do know is that they're not used to working with boulders, all right? Or goldsmiths, they were actually used to sitting on benches and sitting with little tiny pieces of gold, and now they're sitting here carrying these mammoth rocks, right? In fact, there's another picture on the screen of what it would have looked like when it was completed 
Because I think we often think of little things like gates around our houses, right? But look at how big this is. This is not a gate around your house. It's a city wall, y'all. It's supposed to prevent all these foreign armies from being able to come in. The, the goldsmiths were cutting up their precious hands that were normally used for the refining of metal, carrying these bricks and these rocks and these boulders so that the mission of God would be completed to ultimately allow the people of God to be safe in the city of God, to worship again so that they might prepare the way for the coming of our God. And we see the goldsmiths being willing to make this sacrifice, even going outside of their gifting to complete the mission. Don't miss that, y'all. They're going outside of their gifting to complete the mission. Sometimes for some of us, we don't want to do whatever God may be calling us to do in a season because it doesn't match our gifting, right? In fact, even a couple of weeks ago when I talked about how I was serving in my college church and I mentioned uh, serving in children's when me and my wife were watching it, she looked at me like, you ain't serve no kids, right? Uh, It's because she knows how I feel there, all right? Like, Like, I love your kids, in the spirit, okay, <laughs> right? But, but I did do that for a short season because I think God was preparing something in me, the spirit of sacrifice, but also through me to plant a church. And sometimes we're not willing to go outside of our gifting thinking that we should be doing something when God is calling us to be faithful somewhere else, y'all. You have no idea what your faithfulness today is actually preparing you for. And as we've been saying, when you're faithful with little things, God often does big things through them. Your faithfulness is not wasted, y'all. God sees it and he rewards it, y'all. He sees it and rewards it. They did not know that their names were being written down to be mispronounced 2,500 years later by some dude from Detroit with a bad education that can't read well, all right? And so God knew that. Praise God for that because he sees their labor. He sees your labor, family of God. He knows the sacrifices that are being made. Your faithfulness, it will be rewarded, period. It will be rewarded. It is making an impact whether or not you can see it clearly now or not, whether or not it's in your gifting now or not. God is moving despite that. And they were willing to lay down their gifting to exalt the king. And we need to be able to do the same. You see, the the goldsmiths, they might not have been as good at this as others were, but they were faithful. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to showcase to us. And so there's all these different gifts and people and skills and abilities. And when it comes together, it accomplishes this beautiful thing. Notice even in verse 12, I want to highlight that verse as well with the dude's daughters there, right? Once again, you saw the size of these rocks, y'all. And here are his daughters that are getting involved in the work. The fact that they're mentioned is actually really, really beautiful because God sees every little thing that is done and honors every little thing that the people do and honors every person in the midst of it, y'all. Because see, in that society, to mention that women were helping out all would have actually been looked down upon in a lot of real ways. But the biblical authors were not ashamed of the cultural faux pas that was the value of women in that time. In fact, a side point, okay, but God's blessings and anointing have almost always in scripture come through the hands of or in the presence of women. In fact, I believe that's why in chapter two, it mentions that the queen was sitting beside the king's side and 
then Nehemiah gets the anointing to go out from the presence of the king. God's promises, they often initiate through the hands or in the presence of women. I think about Ruth that actually initiates David or Esther that actually initiated Nehemiah here in a very real way. I think about the women that saved Moses twice, once at his birth and once on his return to Egypt when God was about to kill the dude and the woman saved him or obviously the birth of our savior through the womb of a woman. God is always honoring women even when the culture tend to look down upon them, which is a really, really important point for us, y'all, that even if others do not see value in you, you are created in the image of God. And so do not let others skewed perception because of the sin in their own life prevent you from walking in the calling and the vision that God has for you, y'all. Do you hear me? You are a beloved woman of God. Believe that and walk in the gifts that God has given to you. You are beloved no matter what the culture has said and how they have looked down upon you, even if you're oppressed, a minority, if you're in poverty, whatever it might be, you are made in the image of God. God is always using the least of these to accomplish the most in the kingdom. And we need to believe that. Shoot, don't make me switch my sermon halfway. All right, I'm ready to switch my sermon here. Help him, Lord. Take your time. All right, okay. Listen, your vision, okay, your gifts, your skills, your very personhood is what I'm saying, may be leading to something more beautiful when it's merged together with others, all right? In fact, look at everyone that's mentioned here. You see that on the screen. You have the high priests, priests, You have tribes, sons, a governor, goldsmiths, perfumers, rulers, daughters, Levites, brothers, servants, and merchants on top of everyone else's name. Like, isn't this beautiful, y'all? Like, like what you should see is yourself when you look at that. You should realize you have an ability to play in the kingdom of God. And really, this is keeping with the theme of Scripture at large as well. The the New Testament also echoes this point very, very clearly. In fact, I want to look at a couple of passages as we then kind of transition to, okay, what does this mean for us collectively? How do we begin to apply this? And so, since we don't have 700 names to read, I'm going to have my friend Andy Tester read a couple of things for us. really what I want us to see is the unity in scripture there, how the New Testament commands are often told as stories in the Old Testament, but they deliver the same message, okay? And so Andy, go ahead and read those three different passages for us. Hi, Well fam. My name is Andy Tester. I'm a covenant community member here at The Well. My husband, David, and I serve as co-shepherds of the East MLK Community Group, and I also serve on the Connections team. Today, I'll be reading some scripture for y'all, starting in Romans 12, 4 through 8. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortion, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. 
To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. This is the word of the Lord. In the entire Bible, the Old and the New Testament, they have this similar theme, okay? Many sacrifices for one greater calling. We each have individual play and corporate play in the kingdom of God. Now, notice in that last passage that Andy read for us how God gives different callings for the common good is what it says. This means for the good of others as well. Our gifts, our time, our money, our talents are not just meant for us, but God places people around us to accomplish a greater vision that's actually for the good of everyone, right? Like I think about people like Huli, for example. Like Huli is awesome with relationships, okay? And if left there, I mean, Huli could just have some dope friendships if it was just about her, right? And that'd be cool to have good friendships and go on about life, but it's not just about her, but as she lays down her life and befriends people that maybe even at times don't even want a friend, and then they realize the beauty of friendship is who he pursues them relationally. And as she uses the gifts that God has given her to connect us relationally to one another, rather than just her benefiting from a group of good friends because of the great friend that she is to us, the church benefits and we become greater friends as she teaches us how to be friends, as she really sacrifices her gifts on behalf of the church at large, which in irony actually just blesses her in the end anyway, which is true of all of our gifts, where they actually ironically build us up as we lay them down for the sake of God because his commands are our joy always. And so we got to see that our vision, our calling, when it's combined, it may build houses for people in the kingdom of God, y'all. And we got to be able to realize that that's what we're talking about here. Eternity is at stake. And here's what I know. Here's what I know. I know that the enemy wants to create discouragement and to not really have a sacrifice and build and to be a part of something more than what is right in front of us. I, I see that even in our passage in Nehemiah here. For example, I think some of us are hesitant to make sacrifices for the church because they've seen really, really poor leadership, okay? And I get that. And maybe you're hesitant to trust churches or organizations because you've just been around really, really bad leaders. But I see that even here in this passage. Look at verse five again. You see it on the screen. The, the Tekoites, their, their nobles, this meant their leaders, they were not willing to serve the Lord there, right? They said, yo, I'm too good for this. It says they would not stoop to serve their Lord. Oh, wow. I bet they need bent now, right? <laughs> Say that, right? right? Listen, sometimes, y'all, serving God feels like stooping when in reality it's your exaltation. Please don't miss that, okay? Be careful not to downplay roles that seem lesser. They're probably only lesser in humans' eyes, not in the eyes of the Lord. In fact, is there anything that God would ask you to do that you're too proud to stoop down and serve to do, right? Because you know you're supposed to be the preacher, but God's asking you to serve over here. No, no, no. What if that's what God is calling you to do, and that's actually greater glory than what you're seeing in front of people, y'all? But they would not stoop to do the simple task, and in that, they miss the blessing of God. And I have to ask myself that. Am I willing to bend the knee or to lift a hand, to get out of the way that God might be more glorified? That's what it's all about, y'all. Not our glory and our kingdom, because those crumble and they fail us, but God's kingdom at large. But notice, though, okay, even though their nobles did not carry their load, the community actually did. In fact, in that verse, verse 5, it says that they built a portion of the wall 
But then look over at verse 27. These dudes were building again, okay? This actually often happens in the kingdom at large that when somebody drops the ball, other people tend to double down, y'all. And I love that aspect of the kingdom. Just because you have seen irresponsible, lazy, or even the ugly side of the kingdom of God, do not throw the baby out with the bathwater, y'all. Because some of us are trying to double down what God has done to replace the shameful actions of others that came before us. I need you to hear that, right? And you need to be willing to serve in the midst of that, y'all, that you would replace even the shameful actions to exalt the honor of our shameless king, the one who is worthy of all glory. Or, or maybe you're hesitant to serve. I think the other pitfall is that you don't feel like you have a whole lot to give into the church at large. But I want you to see the contrast here. Look over at verse 13 once again. This homie, he repaired, it says, 1,500 feet of wall, y'all. That's the, that's the English translation of that, uh, the Hebrew measurement there, okay? Do you know how much 1,500 feet is? That is five football fields of wall, y'all, right? And God recorded it, praise God. This dude must have had a lot to give. He knew how to do that stuff, all right? But then look at verses 23 and verse 30, okay? These cats just repaired right next to where they lived, it says. Now, we tend to think, bum, right? Or maybe not y'all, but I'm like, come on, bro. Like, you could have did more than that, right? But, but, but look, there's so much beauty that's actually here because you may not be able to change the whole world or to change the neighborhood, but maybe you are able to lead your daughter to faith, and that is work in the kingdom of God, y'all. That is making much of our King Jesus. So even when it's not that big, it's actually still mentioned in here because everyone is important, and everything that is done for the Lord matters. Everything that's done for the Lord matters, y'all. We are all a part of the whole. And so I know what we're tempted to say at times. It's like, well, I only serve in children's. And so, and we act like that doesn't matter, right? Now I don't want to take away the Spirit's work, okay? If he's calling you to do something different, then please be obedient to that. But even the things that feel like we're not doing much is actually making much of our King Jesus. And as we serve in children's, what it does is it produces grangers, And if you were there on Sunday, you were blessed by Granger's testimony. That is partly because of your sacrifice, y'all. Yes, it was Paul and the the parents that were able to pour into Granger, but it was also the service that was around them as well. You are a part of that. And then you got blessed by his testimony and you reminded yourself of the goodness of God through that. Every little thing, it matters, y'all. There is no insignificant play in the kingdom of God. And we gotta be able to see that. You have no idea how one small act of faithfulness can impact eternity, how it can birth vision in somebody else's heart, how it can birth faith in somebody else's heart. And what may seem like a few small stones may be actually pointing them to the rock of ages. And as they place their faith in him, man, God is able to take that and multiply that. The mustard seed moves mountains. What can our small acts of faithfulness do? 
This is what God is calling us to be faithful. And as we come together, we are able to make a difference. In fact, I know there's a lot that's happening at the well right now. In fact, if you're a covenant community member, you've, you've heard some of this stuff throughout the weeks. And I want us each to be able to play a part in the midst of all of that. In fact, you heard even last week us make a really big ask of saying, hey, if we're to move into a permanent space, then we would actually need somebody's huge generosity to be able to move into that, like at least $5 million here. And so maybe God is calling you to be that part where you're the guy that builds 1,500 feet of the wall, right? Or maybe you build the whole thing. Bless you, brother, okay? Bless you, sister. I'm ready for that, right? But even if that's not our play, I think about how all of the things that God is doing, church planting, how you are aiding Juhan's church plant, whether or not you've ever even prayed for the dude, you may actually be setting up things and systems that he is able to take that then he implements in his context and it brings glory to God. I think about us sending missionaries overseas and the four DMIs that are starting. In fact, if you want to go overseas, there are groups starting in just a couple of weeks to train us up to maybe begin to whet that appetite some. And there are people that are equipping in those groups that are serving, that have really pave the way for that. All of the discipleship, all of the welcoming people faithfully, the serving the children, it all matters, y'all. Exalt, disciple, send. That's what we're about. And I believe that God wants to use this and he wants to use each of us to play this out. And as we sacrifice, we serve the whole and God is glorified. Because here's the deal. If we were writing the story of the well, what we would be writing in replace of these names here would be a bunch of Jennas, right? Or a bunch of Ryan or Aaron's or Takasha's or Brittany's. And we can go on and on. The many, many names that are making up this church that represent the kingdom of God that people come into and their lives are changed. And man, God is doing this through each of us, y'all. And if you rejoice at your part, then you will be able to see how you play a part of the eternal significance of our God. This is what God is calling us to. And by the way, those names are being written down. We might not be writing them. God is, okay? He sees everything and he rewards our faithfulness. And so we have a lot of work to do as a church in front of us. But ultimately, y'all, every single work that we do should be pointing to the beauty of Christ. Every single thing we do should be pointing to the exaltation of our King. That is what it is all about because he is the worthy one. And we see the significance of this even in this chapter, y'all. It is so so Christ-centered in so many beautiful ways. Even in the book of Nehemiah, he is trying to fix our eyes on the ultimate. And we do the same thing as our church. All vision, all mission, it is meant to fix our eyes on the ultimate, on Jesus. The way this chapter is being let out, if you actually go back to verse one, you'll see in that verse, it begins at the sheep gate. And then if you look over at verse 32, which is the last verse in this chapter, it actually ends at the sheep gate as well. And what's happening is they're building the wall and they're going through different gates counterclockwise throughout Jerusalem. Now there are 10 gates that are mentioned here. There's 12 gates in the book of Nehemiah at large. 10 and 12 are also both big Hebrew numbers. There's some poetry happening there. You can figure it out later in your groups, okay? But we see the mention of Eliashib. He's the high priest here is what it says. He's the one that took the lamb that actually made the 
sacrificial offerings that the people might be cleansed. In fact, the sheep gate was directly next to the temple. And the high priest, what I love here is he's building as well, which is awesome, right? He's not this holy man that's off, unable to be touched. He's moving these rocks as well. But I can't think that Nehemiah, he knew what he was doing here as he organized a chapter like this because he knew the significance of sacrifice, y'all, that in order to be made right with God, atonement had to be made, that a sheep or a lamb had to be brought in to be offered so that our sins could be paid for. Now, the sheep gate, it was where the animals, namely the sheep or the lambs, were brought into the temple to make sacrifices for the sins of the people that they might be clean by faith before God. We start and we end at the sheep gate. We still start and end at the greater sheep gate. His name is King Jesus, y'all. Because you see, Jesus is the greater gate. In fact, in John chapter 10, verse 9, he says, I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. Jesus is the greater sheep gate. Jesus is also the greater sheep, the lamb that was sacrificed on our behalf forever, that he might actually make an end to all sacrifices, that if you believe in him, you could be clear before God, and Jesus is the greater high priest who sets up and builds the gate in the first place like Eliashib, then he makes atonement as the priest, then he lays himself down as the lamb, and then he calls us clean as the priest once again. Jesus is the greater priest. He's the greater gate. He is who this chapter is pointing us towards, and all of this building actually paved the way so that that gospel message might actually happen, y'all. And Nehemiah may not have even realized what he was pointing to, but Nehemiah's faithfulness paved the way for the king. Just like you may not know even how your little things are glorifying God, but your faithfulness paves the way for the king, y'all. And if we are faithful to do what God has called us to, he will exalt his name, and that will be for our joy and for his glory, y'all. All collective vision ultimately points to the beauty of the king, and all vision from God, when it is combined, all effort, when it is combined, it exalts our king, and it leads to many other people's salvation, y'all. That's what this is all about, and that's why we exist, the glory of God, that you may know him. And so do you realize how you are important, y'all, how you have a hand to play, even as we saw in those New Testament passages that we read or in the story of it here in Nehemiah? Every little ad adds to the kingdom of God. You, you matter, family. Your skills and your gift and your time and your finances and your sacrifices, they matter, y'all. This wall was not just built on Nehemiah as talents, right? The kingdom of God is not built on the talents of the few, but the sacrifices of many. The sacrifices of many build the kingdom at large. And when we believe him, when we come together as a family, it makes much of the name of Jesus. We, our vision builds beauty, y'all. And so what is your current commission, family? What has God been speaking to you about? Once again, if it's nothing, that's okay. Keep seeking his face for it in this season. What is he calling you towards in this season? How can you marry that with the greater vision of the family of God at large? Do you see how it plays in the church of Christ, which is his redemptive plan for the world? Do you see how you are able to build one another up? Is he calling you to build a football field's worth of work? Or 
or just right in front of your house right now? Yeah. Is he calling you to lead a CG or lead your family well? And that will actually lead many CGs in the future. And do you see how all of these things pl play together? He redeemed you out of his affection for you, but he also redeemed you to use you, y'all. And I want to be used by God. You want to be used by God because when you're walking in his will, there is joy everlasting. And the peace, the love, the joy, the hope that you long for, man, is found when we're hand in hand with our king. And our king is building. He said he's going to keep building until he comes back and finalizes it. And so let us build with him, family of God. Let us bless the kingdom. Let us find that vision and let us build together. Amen. Hey, I love doing this work with y'all. I pray that we would keep seeking his face together. I love you guys. Let's pray. <clears throat> yeah, Jesus, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Oh, man, that you allow us to really be a family together, God. That you join us together and allow each of our gifts to really make much of you our king. And so, Father, I pray for those who do not know you. Father God, I pray that they would actually have the vision of joining the family. That they would see that there's something beautiful about coming into the family, coming into the household of God, that they would realize that you, Father God, have made them for a reason, that they would see the beauty that is in you, Christ. Friend, if you do not know Jesus, man, life with him is just better. I pray that you would give your life to him and follow him and be used by him to make much of him. He is worthy. He loves you, y'all. And God, for those of us who have received you, Christ, as our king, would we serve you? God, would we serve with joy on the welcome team and realize how that really does make a difference? Would we figure out how our gifts merge with others to bring the, the blessing of many? In fact, let us be a people who is looking to serve you. And let us be a people who's looking to serve others who's looking to, to build one another up, God, would that be true of us, Jesus? Would you make us a beautiful church that highlights your beautiful name? And as we come together, would we do something more than what any of us can do apart? I really want the kingdom to expand. I really want darkness to be pushed back. Jesus, you are worthy to be worshiped. I want the tribes who do not know you right now overseas to hear the gospel, to have a Bible in their hand and to worship you. I want the people here in the city who are hurting and broken to be built up in you, Jesus. God, I want us as believers to have more joy, more satisfaction in this life with you. I want to be used by you. I want to know you, God. Would we know you and would we make you known? And will we do that together, Jesus? Thank you, Christ, for calling us into a body, for calling us into community. We love you. Pray this in your very beautiful name. Amen. Amen.